Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Eve Eurydice, and today we're going to talk history. And uh, my guest is uh, an amazing author. She writes nonfiction, and she's recently writing specifically about American history. Her name is Elizabeth Mitchell. I may call her Biz. <laughs> um, so Biz has written uh, nonfiction books on politics, sports, history. She's written Liberty's Torch. Uh, the Great Adventure uh, of uh, How to Build, you know, the Statue of Liberty. And she's written The Fearless Mrs. Goodwin. And she uh, came out uh, recently in October with uh, her latest book, Lincoln's Lie, a true civil war caper through fake news, Wall Street and the White House. Um, so we're going to talk about it because at least judging from the title, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very timely. Um, and uh, we are deep in, in, you know, this kind of like search of um, enlightenment of the moment in culture through language and gender and, you know, gender consciousness. So uh, welcome to the podcast, please. <laughs> I couldn't be happier to be here. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I, I know this from a long time ago because she was uh, my editor at Spin Magazine <laughs> when I was and, uh, on the staff, yeah. like an investigative writer. And then she became the executive editor of George Magazine. Um, and then, you know, tragedy hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so... Since then, we've both become mothers, and I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at this uh, title of your book, this long, juicy title, um, because we, <laughs> we also live in historically potent times, right? And so mm -hmm. I feel that pretty directly uh, there is a, a, a parallel or a correlation, you know, that is implied in your book between then and now, a time of civil war, which, you know, some people have been afraid might happen again <laughs> on yeah. and off and, um, in the 19th century and now, which is, you know, the 21st century. So we should be really far from that world of like, you know, rumor yeah. has it and, you know, fake news and conspiracy. Um, but we're not at all. We're <laughs> we are very much, um, you know, living in, in a world where no one quite, you know, knows what is true, and that is uh, fed by the internet, right? So, yeah. if if anything, social media, <laughs> which was supposed to bring us all together and give us access to information, um, has uh, exacerbated our our lesser instincts, right? Of like, you know, gossip. Yeah. Our current president, current for for a couple more weeks, uh, likes to compare himself. To, to President Lincoln, which is one yeah. of the strangest things of, of, of the many <laughs> um, things that, you know, he says uh, to me, because I can see no similarity. You know, Lincoln was a self-made man. First of all, he had a father who uh, didn't believe yeah. in reading and books. And so he kind of like had 
to go against that. And I know that he like read the Iliad <laughs> and the Psalms, you know, every day <laughs> during the war. Um, he thought a lot, you know, he was a, definitely um, determined to, 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 to put an end to slavery no matter what the cost. And I, and I think that uh, he was aware, you know, reading Homer, one knows that like, um, War is really for nothing, or at least that war, you know, the war Homer chose was fought over nothing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he knew, you know, I, th I think that he knew what he was undertaking, and it was a very biblical burden for him, you know, the uh, half a yeah. million dead and and all the devastation. Um, and, you know, he could have, like, uh, blockaded and boycotted the South, um, but he wanted to keep the Union intact. But I think that more than that, more than, like, political reasons, he just felt that the abolition of slavery was an existential issue for America. You know, if America was to be um, this new world, <laughs> you know, the American experiment, it could not have slavery. So, um, yeah. so, and in fact, I think it was the Nebraska something, Texas Act, or so, one of those that w would have expanded slavery to the new territories that, that made him run yeah. for president. So, um, yeah. yeah, here we are. So, like, he kind of had a very clear idea of what America was to be historically. Um, and he was willing to sacrifice his life <laughs> and so many mm -hmm. more, mm -hmm. you know, for it. Um, and as far as I can see, we, we really have like the opposite <laughs> kind of, you know, I mean, if there are opposites, you know, we, we have a president who doesn't have a sense of, of, of the American um, raison d'etre. <laughs> you know, he just kind of understands uh, the, the oratory a little bit. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm curious because of your title, um, do you see any similarities um, between the two men or, you know, in the way that they're dealt with, you know, yeah. in America? Well, it, it might not surprise you <laughs> when uh, Trump is comparing himself to Lincoln. He's really talking about the fact that he, Lincoln got bad press and he got bad press too. So it's a purely self, uh, you know, it's an ego, uh, comparison really. Um, the interesting thing is that, uh, Lincoln got bad press for a few reasons. I, we start off with the just straight out racist, um, you know, people going against him because of his stand about slavery. Um, then there were the categories of, um, people, commentators, you know, other elected officials went after him thinking he was kind of a uh, hick, you know, like a, he wasn't good enough for the White House. Um, but there's a third category where actually there was a critique going on and it goes and it's and it links to Trump, which is that um, Lincoln also had some issues with the press in terms of uh, freedom of press issues. He was, you know, in my book, I talk about the time when uh, this piece ran in the newspapers and he was so outraged. He sent the military into the newspaper offices and arrested the newspaper editors and put the military there for a number of days, shut down the telegraph um, and all that. Uh, you know, you see Trump filing these lawsuits against CNN and the Washington Post and uh, the New York Times. Uh, you know, he's trying even the things that he was doing with postage was trying to disrupt some of the, you know, uh, mailing, uh, you know, rights and things like that. And so some of it is based on the fact that um, Lincoln 
was a little tricky with some of our constitutional rights, such as freedom of speech. Also, right to a free, t- uh, fair trial is his other. He, he tried to put an end to that while he was president. I mean, suspend it while he was president. And was there a justification for it, like war? Um, or, or you think, well, having the, looked into it, that it wasn't he, justifying? People kind of, there was some overreach there because uh, when people, the suspension of habeas corpus, the right to a free trial, um, was uh, something that was people could understand if it had to do with bullets flying. You know, you can't get to your court date because you're going to get killed on the way. So that would be the suspension of the, the right. And that was the way it had always been interpreted going back to even England. But uh, Lincoln expanded that to sort of be, you know, the whole country on a certain level. And so that was really problematic. There were a lot of people fighting him who thought slavery should be abolished, but were worried about that particular issue. Yeah. So, yeah, there are. So, so I mean, one of the things I'm trying to look at is not that, you know, Lincoln's still an amazing human being. Like, you know, the country needed that man, that courageous man who also could deal with so much pain. I mean, that it, it has to do with the kind of um, personality that's a lot who, who understands what you might have to live through a tragedy to get the country where it has to go. Um, but he also, there are things we could talk about in terms of, you know, where he wasn't a perfect president. And that's, I think that should be fine. You know, like, hopefully we haven't gotten to our perfect state yet. You know, we still have more work to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, I mean, every politician lies. Yeah. So, you know, so what yeah. was, what's the specific yeah. lie that interests you here? Well, I mean, it starts out, Lincoln was a little bit more, um, trickier with the press than you would expect. For example, back when he was a lawyer in Illinois, he would put fake stories into the newspapers. Um, you know, uh, they were under either a pseudonym, Rebecca, that he wrote a few pieces um, under or anonymously. And so in one of them, he's actually going up against one of his um, rivals on this political issue. And he poses as Rebecca, writes this thing about what a philanderer the guy is. Um, and, and, you know, uh, and, and then later on, the guy figures out it was Lincoln and challenges him to a duel. Um, and Lincoln only got out of that because he uh, chose broadswords as a weapon. And when the, the opponent saw him with his long arms, he just was like, okay, I'm out. The interesting thing is I just even, you know, looking at some newer research since I wrote the book, I realized actually the guy that he went after was uh, a, um, you know, a someone who was courting Mary Todd Lincoln. So it was also a sexual, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of rivalry that he was acting on. But he, um, and then the, one of the strangest things he did was when going into the 1860 election, he bought a German language newspaper in the center of the country because he thought the German uh, vote was going to be so big. Uh, and he, it was a, a secret contract. It, he drew it up, but the money was delivered by a friend of his. It, they could never reveal he owned it, and it had to support his Republican platform. So that's kind of more savvy and a little bit duplicitous than we think of when we think of Lincoln. Right? Uh, yeah, for sure. On the other hand, you... Yeah, both I of mean, those remind hand, us get, a little bit of the tactics of the current president. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. I remember, see, see how there yeah, is. A, yeah, they both, they both. Trump yeah, maybe more. Yeah. more. Trump do- totally used to call, you know, like uh, page six or whatever. And to- yeah, 
as pretend John that Barron. he's not himself. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And all exactly. the stuff with Cohen, I mean, yeah, that's like a very similar story. Yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's a, a politics. I mean to me. To me, you know, I think that there is no other way to run politics. It's like not a clean business. It's never going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they would, have, you know, take money out of it a little bit, you know, c- considering now it's worse than ever, <laughs> you know, flooded with, yeah. with special interests. I think that inevitably that's, that's you know, it's a, it's a, a mud floor. <laughs> you got to <laughs> fight on it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And there, there are lots of, you know, Uh, candidates who won from both sides, you know, from the Democratic Party as well, who won through like trickstery and, you know, some sort of help, you know, including like JFK. So (laughs) with Mayor really, You start to really uh, understand as you're doing this kind of research, you know, it is so important that everybody's involved because we all have to watch each other, right? You know, so that there have to, you can never, I think it's unhealthy actually to have these situations where there's this heroic figure, um, you know, that everyone says, well, that was the perfect president or what have you. I, I just don't think that's healthy because the, it's the democracy that's the, you know, that's the cool thing. Right, <laughs> exactly. Thing that, you know, yeah. everybody pitching in and putting in their, their different, you know, values and skills and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Like if we wanted figureheads, we could have stayed where we were with the kings and the you know exactly. all that, all that the strong men and uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the whole idea of the demos is the people. So the people is all yeah. and sundry. You know whether whether we're liked or not. You know, regardless of like yeah. what we what we believe in. And and yeah, I, I do think that part of the challenge is this two party you know, situation which didn't exist back then, you know, but now we do have it, the two-party monopoly, which makes it much harder for us, for the average, you know, citizen to remember that there are other sides, you know, to not like demonize the so-called enemy. I mean, when there are two sides, inevitably, you kind of focus on the other side as like the one you don't believe. If If we had like four parties, that would be diffused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you'd be like, yeah, we get along with them. They're being crazy. Right. I agree <laughs> with these. But, it's right. like having a big family. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It would <laughs> just be, in, in, I think, naturally a little more pluralistic. Let's talk about Mary since uh, speaking of them mm-hmm. being humans. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She, Mary reminds me a little bit of uh, the Kitty Dukakis. <laughs> But she also yeah. reminds me a little, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I think about uh, the, the, the current uh, first lady and I think about Mary and I wonder if we have made the progress that we women like to tout, you know, <laughs> like all of our feminist uh, achievements and advances. And here we are. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, look at the first lady. So, um, yeah, the... I mean, I'll, I'll say a couple of things that I, I know about her, but my, my ultimate question is going to be to you, again, like whether you see parallels and similarities or stark differences, you know, between the two first ladies. Um, what, I, what Mary's kind of famous, I think, in general for, um, unfortunately, um, is that she was not 
quite, you know, there was something off about Mary. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah. know, I, I call it shopaholic. I don't know what she was. Maybe she was bipolar or maybe yeah. she was manic depressive. Mm-hmm. But her cure was actually uh, a very, you know, American, I think, you know, uh, you know her self-medication medita- was a very American mm-hmm. pathology, you know, which I yeah. associate with, with the 20th century, with like late, late capitalism. So I think she is definitely a 20th century woman <laughs> in 19th yeah. century America. Um, and she was the, the second richest girl in Springfield. So she was already, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a little entitled, we would call it now. Yeah. Um, she had a, already an idea, a big idea of herself. In the, so when she was 12, she said that the man she would marry would be president, right? A, a, mm-hmm. a pronouncement that like Lincoln himself didn't make about himself when he was 12. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's and, true. And... Um, and she definitely pushed him. And it's interesting, I actually, now I'm digressing, but I, you know, I read that he, the love of his life was this woman, Anne Hutchinson, and she died of consumption. And he went into a deep, a long depression and then came out and I think, you know, proposed to Mary partly for her fortune. Like he decided, okay, I'm gonna do this career. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just extrapolating because I, you know, yeah. I read about, the the love story and the depression and yeah. then r- pretty much after that you know <laughs> um they get married and uh, mary loved to spend money so um mm-hmm. it was how she so when they moved to the white house for example she started the renovation and like uh, congress you know gave like 10,000 toward it and she spent like 25 right away and it was in the middle of the civil war yeah. raging um, and then so he sent her back to Spring- Springfield, but then she added a second story to the house. <laughs> so she had to go back. Because, I mean, he died. He was like 40,000 in debt when he died. You know, right mm-hmm. after he was shot, she went on a dress buying shopping spree. So like that was a scandal. There was yeah. always a scandal. <laughs> um, and yeah. the time that she was not ba- shopping and spending uh, was when their two young boys died in the White House. And then she took to her bed and uh, basically like went into, you know, a period of isolation. Like she was clearly depressed and he would get her like laudanum and uh, morphine, all of which was legal at the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So we, we have now a, a first lady who is also, you know, very much... Uh, associated with her material, you know, appearance, right? What she wears, you know, the renovations. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all we know, actually. We don't know <laughs> much more. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it seems that not much, um, you know, not much has changed. And if anything, like Mary was more of a, of a willful, you know, person. And maybe she was oppressed just by the gender uh, limitations, mm-hmm. you know, of the era. So she acted out in, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, but there is so much that, that, in a sense, you know, they have in common, and that's partly because the the role like doesn't get updated, right? I don't know. So what's your yeah. what's your opinion on all of this? <laughs> well, well, I think I, she's a really interesting person. I think, and, and as much as I think she was truly brilliant. I mean, when, and when she was a young woman in Springfield, uh, they didn't know what had hit that town. I mean, she was, she was vivacious. She had opinions on everything. 
she was not at all a retiring type. Um, and so apparently every male there was interested in her. And actually, as you go down the line, like I said about the other um, rival of Lincoln's, Stephen Douglas, you know, the Lincoln-Douglas debates had been one of her suitors as well. So the, 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 <laughs> the historical archives are littered with her, um, her suitors. Uh, she was definitely someone who had probably some kind of instability that may have been manic depression or something of its ilk. He also, Lincoln, had some real instability. So it wasn't even just that he had the depression after the, um, his, his love died. Um, he also was doing all kinds of things with Mary where when they were courting where he would hotly pursue her. And then as soon as he kind of had her, he would disappear and um uh you know he would uh he would tell her he had to leave her while you know like grappling all over her they had a very physical relationship <laughs> by all accounts and, and so and so they would have and they would have these you know break up fights that would last for you know six months and then they'd get back together again um and so all of that kind of you know passion connection destructive relationship went with them into the White House. And so you're right that one of the interesting things when I was looking at her, her problem with shopping, which is, she was, you know, what we call a shopaholic now, um, is that that was an illness that only uh, emerged right at that time, like in the middle of the 19th century. Um, because I was thinking about that, like, what was its equivalent during, you know, the Roman time or something? <laughs> you know, like, could they be, you know, you'd have to be like, you know, Caligula or, you know, one of the, uh, you know, Agalibus or something like that to, to be acquiring at that level. But, um, she, uh, she, she would go on buying binges with the idea that she didn't fit in enough in DC and she needed to somehow justify herself coming from the Midwest. But it also had a lot to do with her trying to be super attractive to him. Um, and so she's always like buying these like really low cut dresses and he would, and he would like comment on how hot she looked essentially. And, um, uh, but it was, she was always very jealous of him, you know, like the people, the girl, the women who are around him. Um, and so it, you feel this kind of torture that was her mental state, uh, you know, and then as you say, she, they lost one son when they were still in Springfield. Uh, and then when they were in the White House, they lost their 11 year old son to typhoid um, in, you know, in the middle of his uh, presidential term, first term. I mean, it's just horrific. And at that point, he was so disturbed by the kind of catatonic depression she went into. He actually told her that she sort of needed to get herself together or he would need to have her go to the sanitarium that was down the way in D.C. Um which, you know, uh, uh, you can see either as being realistic because he had his own depression issues. And at one point, you know, had been in a situation where his friend took him away for three months and took away all of his sharp objects around him and, you know, uh, tried to help get him treatment. So maybe he was saying it in a sympathetic way or maybe it's that kind of mild threat, <laughs> you know. But uh, in any case, uh, that was part of their relationship. So, uh yeah, the the shopping is, is in my book. The shopping is is the thing that that causes so much problem, so many problems. It's a you know this is a true story of what happened and 
um, it was shocking how, how, what trouble she sort of put him in uh, and, and, you know, put the country at risk because of it. We know more about them than we know about the current, you know, couple yeah. in the White House, but we will find out. <laughs> will, yeah, I, yeah, we, we will. I think there's I a think lot of, a lot more that is going to be parallel as information. I think so. Leaks. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. One of the best accounts of the Lincoln's relationship came from this woman who had been a slave, um, you know, down, down south, had um, bought her freedom by having side gigs sewing for people and those people she was sewing for gave her loans to buy her freedom. She came up to DC. She was so good as a seamstress tailor that she got the attention of Mary Todd Lincoln who brought her into the white house. And then she became her closest confidant. And so that woman later on wrote a book, a great book about everything she saw in the white house and these conversations she had with Mary. And that's how we know a, a whole lot about the intimate relationship of Mary and Uh, age. So I, I'm sure there yeah, will be yeah. someone. That's a great. That's <laughs> a great detail. Can... By the way, like that's a hundred percent why I started embroidering <laughs> to like yeah, honor exactly. these women, yeah. honor them. You right? know, like yeah. generations of women whose work was just like you know that's not fancy and valuable enough. You know, like the mothers. You know, yeah. taken for granted. <laughs> and that's yeah. beautiful. Well, she was. A, Yeah, and that was an interesting, you will appreciate that they had this relationship where Mary Todd would describe something to the to Elizabeth Keckley, you know, of what she dreamed for herself. And then this exquisite, you know, work would be produced. Wow. And then I find it interesting then that would be, you know, that that would go into the Smithsonian or, you know, now it's museum <laughs> work. But, right. it's, you know, I mean, it's Because of really Mary's husband. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And of course, you know, Mary ended up, I think, in the sanatorium, right? I mean, I think her son eventually committed yeah. her for, for shopping. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't afford yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I find uh, the, you know, American woman's relationship with objects that have to do with our looks, you know. Yes primary like a, a, the, the most important factor in you know understanding you know what modern woman has become you know what our yeah. hard-earned freedom <laughs> got us and I, yeah. don't, I don't mean just um you know clothes or like jewelry or you know which like in the old world you know women wore too but also like all the work on the body and you know the the cosmetic yeah. work and and all that stuff yeah um, It, again, because you know, no matter what, <laughs> uh, our our intellectual or our, our spiritual or our you know mothering work is not valued. You know, it's not valued yeah. as much. So uh, you know, no matter what we have changed and achieved, in the end, you know, we're valued by the male gaze. You know, that one glance that says, oh, you yeah. know, she's a trophy for a guy or whatever. Yeah. 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 I know. So, I'm finding it very, I think about these issues all the time, particularly now to, you know, things like the injections in your butt and things like that, <laughs> like implants. I'm just like, it's fascinating like, that, that, we, that a lot of the evolution just is into new ways of, of <laughs> objectifying. <laughs> 
ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for and, for some other right, purpose, exactly. purpose of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always like it's always about the the presentation instead yeah. of you know instead of what's there <laughs> in the process of yeah. always trying to you know catch up uh, with the you know ideal presentation. We don't have time to to spend uniting you know our parts you know and yeah. and finding a, a voice that's not. Uh, in the patriarchy, you know, finding yeah. a way to speak well, that's not typical of, of what we've known for 5,000 years. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why even the Jill Biden, you know, controversy about her title is kind of interesting because, I mean, if half of it is really she can't, she can't try to break out in a particular way. On the other hand, it also, you know, is in the kinds of um, structures of, male society right that you get the title and you and and that denotes that you have importance but i i just think uh it's a tricky thing it's very hard to to get to the winning you know to a place where you actually feel like it's an authentic expression of the woman's uh self and power and all the rest i do not practice identity politics I, I'm very mm -hmm. clear about that, you know, I don't judge people mm -hmm. by anything but their actions and their policies, you know, I don't care what they, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. ethnicity they are or what they're wearing or yeah. what, you know, what gender they identify with at a certain time, you know, to me it's all of yeah. the same, you know. Um, so personally, um, you know, I, I do wish that we wouldn't have to follow the same exact prescribed paths, you know, for men, because I don't mm -hmm. see in the long run how that serves us, you know, since it, it yeah. eliminates our difference. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and also it, um, you know, it leads us away from our actual, like, uh, you know, ge genetic biological power, which is, you know, the mm -hmm. reproductive imperative right so that's like our, yeah, our yeah. thing that's you know we can yeah we can like you know that's our war that's our rite of passage you know and yeah. so in the in in the process of only being recognized by doing things you know is, is, that, that men do <laughs> we're giving yeah. up you know a lot of our a lot of our power so i don't think it's a it's a winning um strategy in the long run but yeah in in the short term, when you're trying to make, you know, ends meet and get some respect and not be the wife of <laughs> or the daughter of, <laughs> like, with, yeah. you know, there are no other options. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just a, you know, her saying, respect me for myself, you know, and not for like, yeah. the do they married and support it in his career, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah. And I, I found that, you know, lo looking at, at, you know, the Mary Todd Lincoln path too, she was, she was as educated as Abraham Lincoln was, and she was, had plenty of political opinions and, you know, very strong ones, even from an early age. She, uh, was, you know, even as he was, you know, going into the White House, she had strong feelings about who should be running each department, you know, getting the cabinet posts and things like that. And yet, because there was no clear path where she was ever going to be able to exercise her power, she ended up getting involved with all kinds of, you know, charlatans and, you know, anybody who who would come through and flatter her 
um, and, you know, give some focus of attention could kind of get whatever they wanted, whether it be a position in the, you know, in some part of the administration or money or whatever it was. And so it was very interesting to watch this kind of like desperate effort that she had to try to, to, to make an impact, you know, to, to mark her place in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, in the end, I mean, I don't know what you, so I would like to hear what you think, again, as far as I've remember, I've, I've read, um, she, was, she was the one who wanted them to go see that play, My American Cousin or yeah. something, <laughs> and he yeah. wanted to go uh, to a ball of officers and, and their wives that were celebrating the armistice that had just happened like five days before or six days before. Um, And and she was like, you never do what I, you know, we always do what you want to do. I don't know why I, I you know, where I know this from. <laughs> and that's the power of like propaganda. I have a quote yeah. <laughs> in my head somewhere. <laughs> that she like led him to his, you know. But, but the point is that's the, the normative, you know, story that he, you know, wanted to be with the officers, right? Is it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, And instead went to the play, and and apparently the night before, I think it was Good Friday, so the night before he had given a speech outside the White House, which they called the mansion then. So he used to go out and just speak, I think, um, you know, to the people who would gather up, and he said that he was now looking forward to to casting his vote next to black men. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, and, and Booth was there, heard that. And that was like, the, you know, the tipping point where he had to kill him right away, even though they had been trying and conspiring. I mean, everybody, you know, there were plenty of people trying to kill Lincoln at all times during the war. Um, yeah. But apparently it was just that, that line that was just, you know, ab- abominable. That's so I have novel. two questions. One is, yeah, yeah. is this true about Mary? <laughs> Uh, very contrary. <laughs> I actually don't. I have to say, I'm not sure. I know. I mean, mm. the um, uh, I do think when just even looking at that anecdote, it, what I see too is this is a fun couple, right? <laughs> when it came down to a debate, do we go out dancing or do we go to a play? Like <laughs> they were, they were not like the Trumps who aren't going out socializing right. at no, all no, or all. having right. any right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, it's that that's sort of interesting to me. I, I found that they're interested in going to the theater. I mean, they were passionate theater attendees. You know, um, that seems so intriguing. You know, that they were very much caught up in the stories and apparently would discuss them endlessly afterwards. Um, mm. So uh, they they both had this kind of you know deep interest in in the storytelling and the narrative and the you know and these deep performances. And one of the things that um, also was sort of strange when I was doing the research, because I was also working with very old newspapers, is to see how many times Abraham Lincoln and uh, John Wilkes Booth were in proximity to each other in the newspaper pages. So even as uh, Lincoln's going to the inaugural on his this train ride, that's kind of this big press moment, um, right, you know, adjacent in the adjacent column, you see that John Wilkes Booth uh, fell on his sword and stabbed himself to the <laughs> chest on the stage, you know, and it's like just wow. a, it's such an, a strange little anecdote. Yeah, he was But a famous actor. 
Yeah. So there's this, this like interesting, you know, um, uh, parallel existence that's going on, uh, you know, leading up to it. And I mean, even, um, you know, Edwin Booth was one of their favorite actors. I mean, the brother, he was, he was, he was very famous and, you know, well-regarded and, uh, and, so I mean, there were there was a there was a lot of connection there. It wasn't just it was like right. having one of the the yeah. bigger celebrities of the time right. Um, right. involved in that. Yeah, I think Lincoln but saw I, yeah. one of the Booth brothers. I think the the the, kid, the murderer play Richard the um, Third sometime yes. before he got killed and, by him. Yeah, and, and John Wilkes Booth did a, an amazing Hamlet, I guess, because there's I was reading the reporter who's one of the focuses of my book. Uh, wrote for many, many years after the incident that's in the book. Um, and he did a whole thing on the great hamlets of our time. And he, he said, you know, despite the fact that John Wilkes Booth, I mean, it's very weird to include <laughs> He's like, despite the fact that he, he assassinated the president, he, he was one of the greatest hamlets that ever appeared. Um, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I don't it's, know. All, it's all very, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of like strange little complexities of the people that get washed out over time, you know, so that you get this, you get this version that has no, um, uh, no edges and all the rest. But when you get back into the nitty gritty of the store of who these people were, you, you know, it's, it's complex. Yeah. That's the beauty of, of being a historian and, and doing that research that, you know, you can mm-hmm. find the nuances and, and all the <laughs> yeah. dimensions because we, we, you know, we are a combination of all kinds of like contradictions. <laughs> that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, we, you know, there we contain all contradictions, you know, as, as people and yeah. as a culture. Yeah. But see, that's, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of what you cover in this, and your show has to do with the, the ideas of contradictions. Like, you know, even the last one you did with the online dating, which should be, you know, just an abundance of like flipping through people. And then you end up talking about the fact that you can't, it takes too much time to get to really know someone to the point where you're going to have this kind of real intimacy. And I think the similar things, uh, you know, fascinate me when I'm doing this historical stuff, because I feel that, uh, you know, when you, when you actually, you know, when you can get down into those real details, you can accept the fact that, you know, it doesn't have to be a fable. Like history doesn't have to be something where the moral's already set and you find the facts to go along with it. Instead, it can be like this real delving into what humanity has struggled with. And then, you know, and, and, and where, and, you know, liberate yourself a little bit from the idea that, um, that you have to have, that one perfect icon, you know, no, there, you know, this particular story that I wrote about had like 50 different heroes pop up and, you know, probably 30 people who did terrible things that you would never expect to have done terrible things, you know? And so it's, it's that thing that I think is, um, is where we can get real Mm -hmm. lessons on how to live, you know? Yes, 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 yes. We should all be historians. Let us all be historians. (laughs) (laughs) Forget feminists, historians. (laughs) I think it's much much more useful. (laughs) I mean, 
Yeah, well, and also, you know, not to be, like you said, gender-focused, but one of the reasons to be gender-focused in history is, you know, quite literally, you know, the thing that people complain about is true. Women got shut out of the stories for the most part. And, you know, so, so now going back and having access to these records that we never had before, but we have through digitization, you know, I mean, these are newspapers, for example, that never even were put on microfilm, but now you can get an actual digital record because of cool people like living upstate who just started scanning everything they could find. But so you start to see who these women are. And that's like, that's why I was able to write about the first female uh, detective in U S history who had a very different way about going about the detective craft, you know? And so it's, it's really interesting to see what she was able to do and, you know, what, what she was fighting against at that particular time. And that whole area just seems like it's so untouched. Untouched. I I know. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There is so much work. So, you know, please continue to do it. (laughs) Uh, But I, I, and another thing, you know, is that I feel that the language that we use and speak, you know, like in Greek, it's logos, right? So the, the language, Mm -hmm. the logos is very much, you know, formed by antithesis. You know, we understand meaning by difference, right? Uh, which I don't think mm-hmm. is necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's very yeah. much the yeah. way that the patriarchy has, you know, made it work uh, to to kind mm-hmm. of like you know shrink us and 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 uh, define us in you know in more and more uh, limited categories. But there is a way mm-hmm. which you know in Greek is mythos, right? The more mythopoeic way of speaking, which is exactly that. It contains contradictions. You know, it it contains. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meaning that is, you know, the multiplicity of meaning. And, you know, you don't have Mm -hmm. to say, I don't want to be a she, I want to be a, you know, zir. Or, you know, you don't have to because you can be both, right? You can be everything. Like that way of of inclusion, you know, of meaning, I think would would help the culture so much, you know, um, to open it up. And that's partly the work you're doing. And you can only do it like in the language that we all speak and and share. But like knowing that (laughs) there is, there is a goal, (laughs) you know, there's a place. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, you know, language doesn't have to, to just, um, be you know good and bad right <laughs> you, yeah. you know short and tall i mean the, you know woman and man yeah. that you know the endless yeah. list of of um opposites that's possible and that is also a way to make meaning and maybe the the destruction <laughs> of the mm-hmm. of the normative language right now you know <laughs> Thanks yeah. to, you know, fake news or real news or whatever, everybody, <laughs> reality TV or irreality yeah. TV, you know, maybe that is our way into, you know, a, a language that, that has room for all the differences, you know, at once. Yeah. <laughs> at once. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I think that, it, you know, I've been thinking a lot about because of my book, the fake news and fiction, you know, fiction writing and all those sorts of things and how... Um, uh, what is a lie and what are the motivations of a lie and things like that. Um, and I started to recognize that um, there's certain things, certain topics that lend themselves to people delving into them over and over and over. And it's because there's something that's unequal, you know, that the, that the, there is something that is not quite just. 
I think that if we could get away from the idea of things are all good or all bad and shift more into a, what are all the perspectives on this particular story, that we would be getting somewhere much more true. Because the thing is, uh, it's, it's, Everybody is, I just feel that the, that the, the multiplicity of perspectives is what's going to um, get us closer to some sense of what is the, the reality. And that can, you know, because right, right now we're right. debating all these issues. Yeah. And that's America, you know, like America was founded yes, exactly. for that to allow every yes. perspective to not have like, you know, an authoritative centralized, you know, truth. Uh, whether it's from like yes. the you know religious or or you know government or institutional uh, you know whatever centers, so that's what yeah. we have aspired to <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. along. But you know we keep getting sidetracked because it, it's of course yeah. it's easier. You know you get you know like faster headlines and. You know, it's, yeah. the gratification is is faster if you know if you go mm -hmm. by the kind of like yeah obsolete way <laughs> of, of understanding <laughs> things because then you're done. You're like, are they with yeah. us or against us? Okay, done. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then then you, you yeah. you're left more confused than you you know understand. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the truth is right there, is in all the gray areas. So I feel that, you yeah. know, the more we read <laughs> books like you and mm -hmm. the, yours, and, you know, the more we research, um, you know, the stories of our idols or of our, you know, frenemies, or <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the more that we can, uh, you know, place ourselves in, in, in the context of you know of of humanity being in, ineffably flawed and and also ineffably beautiful you know yes oh yes absolutely i mean the the um uh i was thinking too of the fact that you know you said the thing about uh you know we don't seem to know how to handle this technology that we have right now which is you know the social media and all the rest that can circulate stories that are fake and, you know, trying to navigate your way through those or just gossip or whatever else wants to be circulated. And the, uh, it was really interesting to me when I was doing the research on this book to find that the telegraph was at the exact sort of same stage as we are now with our social media and internet. And as much as it was invented, you know, 30 years before the date that I'm writing about, but, um, at the time that I, uh, you know, focused this book, um, it had gotten out of hand. So it was, it, when Lincoln first took office, he would send one telegram a month because he had to send a guy down to the telegraph office in D.C. to deliver it. Um, by the time he's in office for two or three years, suddenly he's, he's living at the telegraph office on the White House grounds sending out messages all the time, um, reading everybody's messages. Um, and then you had everybody in the cities who were, would exchange messages like we do now with text. Like they would say, no, let's not go to the opera. Let's go to the, you know, to dinner instead tonight. Um, and those messages would be exchanged all in one day within the city. So it was that level. But people have figured out how they're going to play tricks with it too. And so they're sending out fake information. You know, people are getting, realizing that they're more divided than they thought they were. So Samuel Morse, who invented the telegraph, um, thought it was going to bring the country together. 
but instead it showed how divided everyone was that you know people don't think the same across the country and suddenly it was causing problems he set up a society for the unification of the country, like to build national unity, and it didn't work. So I think the thing is that some of these things, too, is that, you know, you, uh, you know, there's that old, like, you know, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it or what have you. Yeah, it's that, yeah, but it's yeah. also that, that our personalities, our human nature is the same, the same, the same. Yes, yeah. And so you could even imagine our ancestors being like, what would you just look what we did? <laughs> and you wouldn't be so shocked and you'd have yeah. a few tools, you know, to, to fix these things. Um, because, you know, we've got to get away from this idea. Like if we were wearing different clothing, we're somehow different entities. We're not. We're, yeah. just, we're exactly the same with all the complexities. You know, the Lincolns were, were having huge fights where they would not speak to each other and, you know, and then uh, finally getting together, you know, being crazy passionate again and then like busting up again, like, the, you know, same as everybody else. <laughs> and so I just think that, you know, we, yeah. that's why I think it's, it's worthy to, to take history out of this kind of dusty feeling um, you know, this dusty place and, uh, or even revered place and bring it back into like, what's the story and, you know, and what were, what did people actually do, um, at the time, even the people who were living just what we would consider more basic lives, like, you know, the guy running the tele, typing in the telegraph messages, what was he thinking? And that's what I was trying to do with this book. Right, yeah. Well, I wish that the, you know, big tech uh, bros, <laughs> all those masters of the mm -hmm. universe, <laughs> would read yeah. more history and, you know, write yeah. less code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should just force yeah. themselves to, like, take time off, but, you know, not to uh, sell us, you know, the secret to happiness, actually not to sell us anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, read, yeah. like, maybe five books a day, you know, yeah and and see if they can incorporate that complexity into this you know this the the internet you know because it seems to me that right now it forces us in 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 the other direction you know where we just get you know like SEO <laughs> We get defined down by like our few <laughs> words that you can google yes <laughs> I know. I was very excited one time. I looked at my Facebook, um, you know, what they think I am for tagging yeah. for ads, and they had no idea what my political leanings were. <laughs> because I look at everybody's stuff, you know, so so they were just confused, and I I loved that. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. if we can, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can keep breaking up, you know, breaking up yeah. the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. So there is no other way. The algorithm will be broken. It's just a question of, yeah. as you said with history, you know, it's a fad. It's just a question yeah. of when, yeah. you know, whether you and I will be alive, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, by the 23rd right, century, yeah. all of these, you know, <laughs> will be done yeah. with. No, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and, you know, uh, hopefully it will be done in in a peaceful way. And, you know, leads to even more prosperity and all of that stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you have like a thought about what's happening with the North versus South. <laughs> um, I know. You know, dilemma, right? Like to this day. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yes. If you see something changing, or is this how we're I know. stuck? I mean, the thing is, there's a, okay. First of all, uh, there's certainly some signs we're blending. I do worry, and maybe I want to think or write about this a little bit more. That people have gotten a little too loose with the idea that you know, let's muck around with. Um, some of these issues just to make political hay, you know, just so that we can drum up enthusiasm for our party and then we'll, you know, carry some local elections or what have you. Or, um, But what people don't really understand is how <laughs> delicate democracy is. Like people really went and died for democracy because it's such a weird thing to say, no, the people have to have the power and it will not be taken by only the, you know, overlords. I think that, you know, we probably need a whole lot more reminders of how weird it is for us to have come gotten this system, however flawed it is. It is still better oh, yeah. to, to oh, yeah. have the participation oh, yeah. of the people. Oh yeah. And, and so, yeah. And like, cause you don't get it back easily. Yeah. If you know, if yeah. it goes away, you're, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, a I, long, I, dark I, yeah, period. yeah, 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 exactly. And it's and the 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 danger here is that a lot of the of the people who are like the Proud Boys. I mean, that's just the name that that you know mm-hmm. is going around these days. We could name them anything, but um, a lot of mm-hmm. the armed, you know, uh, Americans believe that they're fighting for democracy. So that's the the, yeah, the, yeah. the conundrum. Yeah. That's the moment where we may start yeah. fighting against each other. Like Booth, you know, Booth yeah, thought the, that he was saving value. the Constitution. Know. You know, he really I thought, know. not just that he was saving the South, but he, you know, that, that, that Lincoln yeah. would destroy. So, um, you know, we could go at each other willing to, like, give our lives for the same, you know, cause of yeah. democracy and and yet kind of like you know um not understand that you know we stand on the same side because of this because of the uh, you know yeah. uh, monetization i think you know the the extreme like capitalization of of yeah. um, in politics so you know i see it here yeah. in 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 the south you know uh, the 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 constituency has changed a lot in 4 years yeah. um Yes. And a lot of the of, of the people who would have been firmly in the democratic, uh, you know, side, mm-hmm. moved uh, yeah. for all kinds of reasons, yeah. you know, and and, yeah. and they're completely like uh, talking reasons, you know, they're like the the sound of yeah. things or like the performance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, <laughs> the, yeah. the the yeah. you know the machismo or it, it doesn't matter, you know, but. Mm-hmm. So they're not even about, again, they're not about policies. And I think, and yeah. I'm repeating myself here, that the Democratic Party investing itself so much in the optics in order to get the votes yeah. of, you know, kind of like a concentrated, solely body of, of uh, voters uh, plays a yeah. losing game. Yeah, because that's not truth. That's not, uh, you know, the actual... Um, you know, representation. They're not focusing on what we want to get done and why. <laughs> They're yeah. focusing yeah. on the figureheads, like you said. You know, <laughs> who's going to yeah. lead what department and, you know, what gender and what color and <laughs> what ethnicity. And, you know, if, if Kamala 
you know, had one parent who yeah. emigrated from India, then we need someone yeah. from India. If the other parent was from Jamaica, I mean, what? what? That's like I dynastic. Know. That's the stuff we run away from. You know, like I came here because I, I didn't no, want to be like the daughter of and the niece of, right? Like exactly I <laughs> what I, I, I know. I wanted to get away from, and yet that's how we we we've got to we've begun to like understand people, you know, solely by like family name and and tribal or allyship, you know. So yeah. it's a well, pity. The, the, and it, the um, my my daughter who is in high school just the other day had to um, had an assignment where she's supposed to take her local representative and then write out every committee that the person is on, right? And so, um, and what that committee oversees. So she's writing and writing, 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 right? <laughs> and what you realize is the way government actually works is pretty extraordinary in terms of the amount of work people have to put in, but it would bore your average listener to tears. Like, it, it, you, we don't have an appetite to really know how these laws are made and you know what their decision making is going on and no one seems willing to just say okay we're going to every once in a while bore you by telling you <laughs> details, just so you yeah, know yeah so i know <laughs> where is this fun i mean <laughs> but it's like you know so like media velasquez is the representative what she's actually doing is extraordinary, but in the probably in the you know political positioning, it's just like you know daughter of an immigrant, you know, like it's just playing on these one this little talking point. And so, um, you know, when I used to work at George, that was one of the things that we were trying to do was try and make politics something that like people had a more coherent idea of how things happen and like who these people are so that we could get away from the, the, the power of a dumb soundbite. You know, we've, we've, we've given by lacking information and education, we have given every bit of power to, you know, five words that flash on your screen and has a picture, you know, a misleading picture that goes along with it. And both sides are definitely, you know, guilty of it. I spend I spend a lot of time like you know seeing something, getting outraged over you know researching it in five different places to figure out whether it was real or not, and you know and that's for Democrats as well as Republicans, you know, it's, and, and frequently you're being manipulated. Um, yeah, so, and you're a professional, so imagine how difficult it is for people, I you know, know like you who want exactly. to research it, and they end up down rabbit holes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's very, it's a very, uh, you know, actually what might be helpful is that Biden may bring back boring government and, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. if we yeah. could get into a little bit more yeah. of this, like, sense of it is actually, it's, you know, it's a yeah. tedious task. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah, he might, but he doesn't look like it right now. He's gone all in for the optics and the identities and, yeah, and yeah. I thought I thought we would be Twitter free, <laughs> but he's on Twitter yeah. or, or someone's writing for him. I don't know if it's him, <laughs> but you know, they've figured out how he's supposed to write. And he's and it's just like it's so disappointing. You know, yeah. I thought we would just have like four years of no presidential tweets. <laughs> that itself would be an amazing break <laughs> but no <laughs> i know i mean the problem is nobody wants to feed the territory right like they don't want if they just fall silent then then 
other people occupy the space. That's the problem, you know. Yeah, but I thought he's not, gonna, he's not going to run again. I don't know. Maybe he changed his mind about that. Maybe he wants to run when he's 90. I don't know. But, I mean, I thought he wasn't going to run again. So that frees him from that, you know, consideration. My personal yeah, opinion is that two terms, but not consecutive. Can we start by changing that? Let these people think about what they've done for four years. Like, learn from it, you know. Because yeah, kind of understand well, what happened, you, and then they can run again after four years, and or eight, you know, and that gives them yeah. room to grow and, and as humans, and also you know learn from their mistakes as we all do, and um, yeah. but also it gives them a break from this like continuous campaigning, you know. Yes. Well, the other thing is that it would allow a whole new crop of voters to to analyze the same person, which is interesting because you get a whole four more years. Right, yeah. And also, you know, I mean, I mean, I can say that w since I've been a citizen, um, I have only voted the worst of two evils. <laughs> I have never, really, oh, I have yeah, never yeah. had the opportunity to actually, you know, vote yeah. from the heart and, and be excited. I know. <laughs> so I know, it would be great to is, have that even, opportunity sometime before I die. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think it may be impossible, though, to, once you know, you know them so well by the time they're actually... Uh, actually, you know, you're going to cast your vote. So it's almost impossible to know anyone in that much complexity and have, you know, this intense enthusiasm for them. I yeah. mean, who in the, but that's who, why we your, need technocrats. Like, who's your biggest hero? Like in the world, not even in politics, who's your, who's the living hero that you have right now? Oh, I don't, I don't have one. I would have to think. I don't have one off the top of my head. Do you? <laughs> I don't. I don't know okay. that I do. And I mean, okay. I think that that's interesting because it's basically like maybe there's, maybe that's just not the type of, um, maybe that's just not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like there will be never anyone you would vote for because you know what it is. It's, it, you, it has a combination. You know too much about them and you also have to leave room for the fact that you don't know everything about them. So it's hard to endorse someone with that kind of deep, intense enthusiasm when you are both vouching for yeah. all of their frailties that you've heard of and all the unknowns that could crop yeah. up. So but, I think but, that but when I vote in Greece, to, because we do have that perk, yeah. I don't know if I should say this on the air, but I, I'm still voting <laughs> in both countries, uh, miraculously. Yeah. So, you know, then because it's parliamentary, I, I have voted often, you know, people about whom I'm tremendously excited, you know, uh, and people uh -huh. who have just started parties. Um, you know, Varoufakis, yeah. the guy who was our minister of uh, finance and started the party, you know, mm -hmm. uh, last time, you know, I voted for him. So it's just, I, I have felt very, pretty, you know, pretty enthusiastic. Uh, but that's because there are, you have like a dozen candidates, you know, so you have space yeah. uh, to, to find yeah. something that is important to you. It doesn't mean that I yeah. idolize that candidate. It just means mm -hmm. that one of his platforms is really important to me, you know. So that's mm -hmm. where I, I, I feel like most passionate right, you know, at that moment when the mm -hmm. election is held. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas here, I haven't felt that, you know, like, I, I'm not, I'm not looking to idolize someone or, or, you know, expect any, in any way, any perfection. But um, I, I, I have, 
you know, I, I feel that it would be nice to um, have more of a variety, more of a choice, you know, choice, yeah. not just, you know, yes and no, but actual choice. As we do yeah. in local elections, we have much more choice. Yes, yes, we do. And I mean, that well, that's one very good thing that's come out of all of this, right, of the last four years is that people are much more engaged in their local elections than they had been, you know, and that, and I think, I mean, and that I, is the way it was supposed to be structured. Like that person who was president was, you were interested, but it wasn't supposed to be the be all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The executive power to... has been growing and growing and checked. You know, yeah. For sure. <laughs> it seems you, were, like you were supposed to be more like you were really supposed to focus on your, your you know, your state your area. and yeah. all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the yeah. demigods, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always done. Not Zeus, exactly. but the demigods. The demigods, yeah. <laughs> I call it. It's the failed artists, you know. <laughs> it's like, what if yes. Hitler had been accepted, you know, to the art I school know. in Paris? And what if you know GW had gone to like art school and figured I out know. he loved I painting? <laughs> what? I know. How many? That, how many of us it, would have lived, <laughs> survived? Yeah. I mean, I wrote a book on George W., and it never occurred to me that he was going to devote himself entirely to art. I know, he's getting better I mean, at it. It's His last holiday card is actually pretty good. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet, but I have to like, no, it's really fascinating, truly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the number of mm-hmm. paintings he's done, and he actually has a... a he has his own... Oh, yeah, he has a style. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. And he has a theme. And he has been, you know, maturing <laughs> as an artist, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, and I think he's much better at it than he was at, you know, at being president. Yeah. So, you know, once again, but like I mean, we got also, caught up by the last name and, and the position yeah. and the, you know, relations. Yes. Yeah. So if, if we but could focus on policy who... and not, you know, yeah. name recognition, then maybe we yes. could have like technocrats who we vote for because yes. we want that one thing that they stand for absolutely. Um, and, you know, yes. so, yeah, that would be so nice. But but to, for that to happen, you need more than two. There is just, you know, one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it needs to be a wider field. Otherwise, the stakes are yes. too high. <laughs> and we never, yes. you know, who votes for Ralph Nader anymore? Like, nobody. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Those votes cast in Florida, <laughs> where I voted, <laughs> they are like, yeah. you know, ignominious. <laughs> yeah. No, um, well, it's true. And, and particularly the last two elections, people have been particularly focused on don't, don't do anything to express any other point of view because it will cause the downfall of, yeah, civilization. Speaking of civilization, I just remember the civil wars big sex fact. So syphilis was rampant in the war field, you know, Lincoln had it, but more soldiers died from it and from dysentery and gangrene than soldiers died in battle and they went uncounted. So there, there were like 10 times as many whorehouses as hospitals, as they used to call them then, and traveling prostitutes, sex workers, as young as 12, who followed the armies around the country. And so Lincoln wanted to stop the spread because, you know, boys as young as 18, the first time they would have sex, they would catch syphilis. So um, he had the army hire nurses. The, the army actually trained nurses to give the soldiers hand jobs to stop them from going to prostitutes. 
So it was also the start of more widespread use of porn, which was also promoted uh, in wartime as an aid to help men like get themselves off safely. So this is the history we don't read much about. <laughs> this was amazing. This was such a good and and you know fulfilling and widespread conversation. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for your time well, you. and your brilliance. And you know, please keep writing. And and come back. Oh, and everybody I out there, till I'm back with you next week, keep speaking sex. My name is Evie Ridisi, and these are my conversations speaking sex. I speak sex with all kinds of people who are at the forefront of this change of consciousness in the 21st century, and I encourage you to hear our ongoing liberation conversation and find your way of turning around the meaning of what we've been taught. Support my cause. Help me set you free. Hit the support button on speaksexpodcast.com. Hit support. Hit donate. Thank you. Love you. And keep speaking sex. Another piece of good news from our sponsor, oldplayground.net. They have a special right now where you can join for three days for $3.99. You can start a profile and you can navigate the site. It's the biggest, most inclusive, most contemporary lifestyle website, uh, in English at least, that (laughs) we know of. And you can have your own exclusive content. Uh, There is a big wall with videos, uh, information, uh, podcasts about uh, sex and intimacy topics, and all kinds of open people with whom uh, you can communicate across the country. So give it a try. This is the chance to do so. And love you all. make love incessantly, I would be God.